fly. What do you think you're doing? Biff. Hey, I'm talking to you, McFly, you Irish bug. Oh, hey, Biff. Hey, guys, how are you doing? Yeah, you got my homework finished, McFly? Uh, well, actually, I figured since it wasn't due till Monday. Hello? Hello? Anybody home? Hey, think, McFly. Think. Hello folks, this is Robert Berry and welcome to Retro Crush the Podcast episode 95. Sorry for all of you that had to wait about two weeks to hear a new podcast there, but I just got back from Scotland visiting my mom. I was there for about a week and um, boy, what what an experience. Uh, Very long flight from Sacramento, let me tell you that. But uh, you know, all these new restrictions, you can't bring gel and stuff like that on planes anymore. So, needless to say, uh, my stock of KY Jelly and a can of Spam and uh, the latest issue of Fields and Stream to help make the flight go a little shorter uh, was not possible. So, thanks a lot, Transportation So-Called Safety Administration. Oh, boy. By the way, uh, you know, I had to watch the same movie like three times on the flight. X-Men The Last Stand is not that good to see over and over and over again and Continental does these like uh, they'll play like current TV shows which means basically um, Hope and Faith starring Kelly Reepa I got to see the same episode of that four different times for each leg of the flight that I was on it you'd think they'd, they'd uh, coordinate that better but Scotland was a lot of fun um, I went to Glasgow and um, I ate some haggis uh, which was was kind of nice. I'll post some pictures of, of the haggis that I ate. It's basically um, all kinds of uh, castaway parts that uh, Americans would probably not even use in dog food um, that are cooked inside of a sheep intestine. And um, that that's pretty good eating in Scotland. And um, if you're thirsty, you can drink this soda that they have there called Iron Brew, which is kind of like uh, orange-colored rust water with carbonation in it. And it's like the the national Scottish drink there. Um, they use that instead of a uh, mouthwash, I think. <laughs> Just kidding. No, Scotland was was a lot of fun. Uh, I got to soak in a lot of the the local sights uh, in in Glasgow, Scotland. In fact, I went to Loch Lomond, and it was a nice foggy day on the lake there. And um, visited their uh, aquarium, where you can see exotic uh, Scottish fish like trout. And um, sardines and things like that. So it's kind of nice to see, uh, you know, fish that you normally eat out of a can. You can see them swimming around there. It's it's quite a quite a treat there. So, uh, but it's good. It's good to be back in the in the U.S. of A. I'll admit it was nice to visit my mom, but it's it's good to be back. I do like the the television over in England's kind of nice. You know, not so many commercials. Um, but uh, but 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 it's good. I've been really eager to do a whole full episode with you guys and my buddy Randy Woggy, Retro Randy, and other friend Steve Graff. Uh, while I was gone, they ended up hooking up uh, an interview with Crispin Glover. Um, you'll remember from a lot of different movies that we'll go up with, and uh, I've got about a 56-minute interview with the, with him. He's uh, currently touring right now with his film that he's made called What Is It? And if you go to crispinglover.com, you can find out a little bit more about it. Uh, but basically, he's um, he's taking it uh, on tour, and you can get some information about that. What is it's playing uh, 
um, all over the country right now. It's uh, winding up a show in, in, it just wound up a showing in, in San Francisco, and then it's going to uh, Seattle, New York, Chicago, all those are on the website there. But uh, it, it's this really uh, very interesting movie. Uh, it's an art film, um, and he's doing Q&As after the film, so you can actually meet Crispin there. And what's unique about this film, aside from it being a Crispin Glover film, which makes it unique enough, but um, all of the cast except for Crispin, uh, and I haven't seen this film yet, so I might get some of these details wrong, has Down Syndrome. And they aren't necessarily characters with Down Syndrome, but it's just a really interesting way uh, that this film was cast. So um, Randy Waggy and Steve Graff uh, were able to talk with him on the phone just last week about this movie and some other films in his, his career as well. Um, I love Crispin Glover. He's one of my favorite character actors of all time. Um, you heard a, a bit from uh, Back to the Future, uh, certainly great film there. Kind of funny that we just interviewed Jeffrey Combs, who was with Michael J. Fox in um, The Frighteners. Uh, so we're we're getting all of Michael J. Fox's co-stars interviewed here. Hopefully we get Christopher Lloyd soon. And um, I, one of my favorite films that he's in um, is River's Edge, where he plays Lane, who is uh, sticking up and, and trying to help his friend out that had just killed his girlfriend. And uh, here's a clip from that that I like. You think I'd at least write a Michelob? Don't be an ingrate. You're calling me an ingrate? I never asked you to do it, Lane. Fran doesn't have to ask Fran do something like that. Mm. Oh, it's so warm, even. You don't even care, do you? I ain't drinking it. About yourself, you dumb fuck. How do you expect other people to care about you? People like you, they're sending this country down the tubes. No sense of pride, no sense of loyalty, no sense of nothing, man. Why do you think there's so many fucking welfare cases in this country? Why do you think it is that Russia's gearing up to kick our asses, man? Drink your beer, Lane. No, I won't drink my fucking beer. I'm talking here. These things are important to me. And believe it or not, you're important to me. Look that. Son of a bitch. Duck down. Hope they don't upset Anto. Duck down, goddammit. You want to get caught? Crispin was also uh, Charlie's Angels. A brilliant uh, performance with, with no dialogue as uh, the thin man uh, kicking off... Uh, kicking the Charlie's Angels girl's asses there in, in a really good fight scene. And um, a lot of other stuff as well. He's recently in a remake of Willard. Um, brilliant performance there. In fact, he has a, a fun music video that we'll have a link of for that. And also uh, is, is coming out with a film uh, remake of uh, The Wizard of Gore by Herschel Gordon-Lewis, who Jeffrey Combs will also be in as well. So kind of a neat segue from, from one person to another there. Another uh, great thing that, that Crispin's very uh, infamous for is a 1987 appearance on the David Letterman show. Um, just set the, the stage here, and we'll have a link to this on the podcast page as well, so you can watch the video. Crispin shows up, uh, this is right when River's Edge comes out, and he's, he's known for being in the first Back to the Future movie pretty heavily here. And he shows up wearing this, what looks to be a long wig, 
um, these crazy pants and these high-heeled shoes. He's got a, a big display case on the chair next to him with, like, medical display samples, maybe eyeballs or something there. And, um, you know, some people, I remember reading about it in Rolling Stone, and, and they were basically saying that he appeared to be on some sort of drugs. But, you know, watching it, he looks like he's just really putting on an act. Uh, you know, Crispin does a lot of really bizarre performance artwork, uh, and it, w- it wouldn't surprise me one bit that this was just an extension of that. So here is um, Crispin Glover on the David Letterman show, about a two-and-a-half-minute clip here. In movies that are big, and I'm, I'm a movie star, so... I've been on talk shows on the Johnny Carson show, yep. and now I'm here, and I've been all across the United States, and I feel really good about it. So. Do, you, do you enjoy the experience? Yes, I feel very good about them. Mm-hmm. I noticed you have something there in the case. I... I I knew that this was going to happen and I uh <laughs> I can I tell you because the the press they can do things they can twist things around and I cuz the you're talking I don't look I the press says things about you in 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 the in the paper this is a a paper the LA Weekly in in Los Angeles and they said they said about me a lot da it was at a, I went to a club and they said that um, it was at a meeting and it said Crispin Glover who was in a frenzy though his bark is actually worse than his dot 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 you get the point mm-hmm. and Paul anything then, you'd like to add here and then oh, another uh, one they said they said they said they said Crispin Glover Paul was is, this, pins- is this the first time you've seen another guy drown is this, this the first time you've watched a guy die is that your time about you or yeah. him? No, me. <laughs> this is this is the other thing they said. Crispin Glover was pinstriped and greased up for the occasion, impressing the girl things who are trying to get next to him. Guess some people are turned on by brill cream. Yeah, well, I don't know. And then they, you, I don't have. These, you seem to be distraught. They don't. You seem to be distraught. try to make me sound a lot weird, and yeah. I'm just. I'm strong, you know. I'm strong. I can arm wrestle. I, uh, do you want to arm wrestle? No. I've been taking, no. you know, I've been taking part. These aren't mine. I can, I can, I can kick. Okay. Okay. I, I'm, I'm going to go check on the top ten. No, I'm sorry. I'll be back. So basically. Uh, as that segment ends there, uh, he's, he's showing Dave how strong he is by rolling his arm up and certainly does show off quite a big muscle there. And then he starts doing this karate kick, which actually came kind of close to Dave's face. Now, Dave, I think, really exhibited... I, I love David Letterman uh, a lot, and but I think with certain guests, he just doesn't click right. And he just didn't really get what Crispin was all about and kind of just wrote him off unfairly. And at this point, they go to commercial, and, and Crispin's kick off the show. Um, Dave just won't work with them, is afraid that something crazy is going to happen there when Crispin's just pretty much just being interesting on purpose to kind of play a character here. And so as as Dave comes back, he starts to make fun of uh, 
Crispin here, and and you really see uh, the audience sort of turn on him. I remember reading about this in Rolling Stone magazine uh, before I actually saw the clip, and, and it really made Dave out to be a jerk. And sure enough, it, I think that really is uh, what happens here. Here's, here's Dave talking about Crispin's uh, departure from the show. Okay. Welcome back to the show. We're running a little uh, short of time tonight. I would have loved to chatted more with Crispin Glover, but I understand he had a cab to catch, and well, traffic this time of night here in Midtown is pretty brutal, so we wanted to, wanted to ensure every possibility that he would get wherever he was going on time. Did you enjoy that, Paul? It was uh, an interesting segment. Yeah. Uh... I think that's the first time that we've been doing the show that a guest actually tried to kick me. Well, I think it was a conceptual piece. Uh, well, he came very close to denting my head with those yes. giant, with those giant shoes. So I thought, I don't need that. I'm I'm 40. I went to college. I've had a number of. I don't need this. That is not how I want my life ended. Some goofball, some dork from uh, wherever. Oh, stop it! Stop it! Yeah, you want to have dinner with the guy? Uh, let me, let me, uh, this is more of a rhetorical question. Is the top ten ready? <laughs> yeah, we, uh, I see we have about two minutes left, Paul, in the... Yeah, Dave actually went on to have uh, Crispin Glover on his show again about three years later, and uh, he wanted, you know, Crispin was a lot more well-behaved at this point, uh, but Crispin, Crispin, uh... <laughs> went on to explain his behavior in a way that said that some uh, former uh, classmate of his that looked just like him traded places with him and was there that night, and it became uh, pretty incomprehensible. So I've always been a big fan of Crispin Glover, and um, I would love to have dinner with Crispin Glover, but we had the next best thing talking to him for about an hour. Um, a little bit of the beginning of this got trimmed off, so it looks like it just starts rather abruptly. Um if you like Crispin Glover, you're going to love this interview. Um, gets a little bit detailed with some of his answers, uh, so you know, bear with it. I, I just love hearing the guy talk. That guy could just read the phone book to me, and I'd love to hear it. And uh, we get to talk about his movie, a little bit about Charlie's Angels, um, his famous father who's been in some James Bond movie and, and some other things as well. And um, just just a fun interview. I, I think it's as, as uh, interesting and quirky as Crispin is and his work is as well. And um, we'll be back with you. It's about 56 minutes long, so this is going to be one of the longer podcasts that we've ever made. But, hey, you've got a pause button. You can come back to this if you've got a pee. So without further ado, here is our interview with Crispin Glover, as conducted by Retro Crush's own Randy Waggy and Steve Graff. I've read that David Lynch um, agreed to executive produce. What is it? Um, no, that's that's not accurate. Um, what he agreed to executive produce was um, uh, originally there was a screenplay that uh, I had had co-written that was going to be a feature f uh, film that I was going to go t to uh, corporate entities to um, to find funding for. David Lynch uh, got a hold of this script and he agreed to executive produce that that screenplay for me to direct. Uh, what what is it is is a film. It started out to be a short film to promote the concept of working with um, a majority of the actors to to be having Down syndrome, uh -huh. and um, 
Uh, well, to back up, I, I when David Lynch agreed to executive produce the screenplay's entitled "It Is Mine." Mm-hmm. When he agreed to executive produce that, he um, I. I went to a, a corporate entity, one of the larger corporate entities in Los Angeles that that funds films, mm-hmm. and um, they were interested in 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 the the film. I had had some actors of name, uh, but they ultimately were very concerned about funding a film with a, a cast with the majority of the actors having Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. They said this to me. Uh, that they had concerns about that. So I set out to make a short film to promote that this concept was a viable idea. Okay. Um, once I edited that film together, the original short film was, was shot in four days, and it came out at about 85 minutes. The mm-hmm. the, the finished film of, uh, what is it, is uh, 72 minutes. So it's shorter than what that original short film was going to be, but I, when I looked at the 85-minute cut, I, I knew it wasn't right as a feature film, but I realized with some more work, I could turn it into a feature film. Oh, okay. So that's what I, I set out to do, and it took a number of years. Um, I've already shot the sequel to What Is It as well. I'm actually about finished with the editing of the sequel of What Is It. Or clo- it's, it's a very good cut. I, I hesitate to say I'm about finished. Oh, okay. I, I do like to take time with it. Yeah, do you but find you're a perfectionist on it? It has to be just... N- not, just well, not, uh, perfectionist gives a, a kind of a bad term, uh, and it, it actually can in certain psychological circles mean very negative things. Yeah. But but um, I do take time with it, and I do really like to make it right. Uh, but that that was not the reason, really, that the film took so long to make. Uh, but before I go into that, I, I should finish up with, with what I was saying. The, the, the Steve Stewart film, the sequel to it, is called Everything is Fine. Ultimately, what I'm going to do is make a trilogy of movies that original screenplay that David Lynch said he would executive produce will end up being part three of the trilogy of films that I've shot uh, part you know two parts of it and part one is now what is it which I'm I'm currently touring with. Oh, okay, great, great. Is that um, David oh, and then as far as the the length of the film, it did take nine and a half years from the first day of shooting. Till the uh, till the first day that um, I had a 35 millimeter print, the the reason that it took so long was um, the the initial short film was four days. Six months later, I had the first cut of the film, which I explained was uh, 85 minutes long, and that's when I decided to make it into a feature. Within uh, within about um, a, a few months of that, I shot two more days then I went away and acted on a film and I shot two more days six months after that so it was a year after after the date so at that point I'd shot eight days yeah in total over the the a period of about two and a half years uh, to three years I shot a I shot 12 days the entire film was shot in 12 days over approximately a three-year period I did take a long time with editing and yeah. uh, I went away and worked on films <coughs> and uh, acted in films while I was uh, supporting myself uh, with the editing. I also toured with the film uh, 
uh, in rough various rough stages to get audience reactions and keep my mindset in it. I locked the film five years into production, and uh, I sent the negative to New York uh, because it was going to be done the old-fashioned way, photo optically. Mm-hmm. For five years, at that point, after it was uh, at an uh, a or almost five years, for four years or so, yeah. it was at a. Or actually, I'm, I'm wrong. It wasn't five years. It was four. It's approximately four years or three, between three and a half and four years, and I'm forgetting how, when, when I walked the film, but then it was in New York for approximately five years yeah. at the photo optical house, and they did, uh, um, they did not do the uh, uh, effects that they were paid to do. At that point in time, uh, digital uh, intermediates uh, became lower in price, and mm-hmm. I was able to uh, make the film go to a digital intermediate, and then out to a 35 millimeter print. Yeah. And that's so. So the majority of the the time was uh, a technical difficulty. But in any case, I'm I'm very happy and relieved to be touring around with the 35 millimeter print of the film now. Oh yeah, after putting so much time into it too. I'm I'm just wondering uh, on the third of the third the trilogy movies, uh, is David Lynch still going to produce that one, or is he? It's hard to know because I I um, I I've I've produced I've funded both of these films myself. Uh, Initially, when David Lynch said that he would agree to produce it, what executive produce it. That can mean a lot of different things, and specifically what it meant with him was that he would put his name on it as executive producer, uh, which is a very nice thing to, for him to do, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm very uh, <coughs> honored and proud mm-hmm. to have uh, worked with him, so he's been great working with him, and, uh, uh, but as far as getting the funding for the film, I couldn't get it. I, I could not get funding through corporate entities. So, it. I, I I I don't know ultimately what will will happen with part three. I know that I'll end up funding it, and I I now am working as an actor to specifically fund fund films. At the point that I go into production on uh, every, uh, it is mine. Which I don't know when that will be. I shot part two to to uh, to what is it? Because the actor in it, uh, who wrote it, his name is Stephen C. Stewart, uh, had a very severe case of cerebral palsy. He was 63 years old, and one of his lungs had collapsed. And it became apparent that if we did not shoot uh, his film relatively soon, that we may never get to shoot it. And it yeah. was right around the time that the um, first Charlie's Angels film was being offered to me. And I realized with the money that I made from that film that I could uh, fund the Steve Stewart film. Um, And that's exactly what I did. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's another thing that also delayed um, production on what is it, is I I had to spend, um, well, it was a six-month production for doing the, the Steve Stewart film, but there, of course, were other things that were... Uh, involving, but I'm very glad that I did shoot it because um, yeah. uh, he he died within a month after the uh, uh, the, the production uh, 
filming had 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 ended, and it's yeah. I, I I'm in the midst of uh, editing it right now, and I, I of all the films I think I'll ever have anything to do with in my career, I, I have a feeling the Steve Stewart film will probably be the best one. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about that film. Well, that's a fitting tribute too to an individual. You know, what I mean, it's such a, a nice thing to. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it seems like a nice thing to do for someone. Well, it's it's interesting. It's uh, the film itself is um, what is it is a very reactive film. It's uh, ultimately a, a reaction to a certain frustration that I've I've had with with corporate uh, filmmaking that I've been involved with. Uh, starting, well, my first feature film was when I was eighteen, so you know, over 20 uh, years, 25 years. And um, I feel that at this point in time, corporate entities will not fund films that uh, go into areas, the way I've been describing it lately, is um, that go beyond the realm of that which is considered good and evil. Yeah. And what I mean by that is that if something is... uh, if if a, if a film entity of screenplay or anything that is going to be funded by a corporation uh, has something that would be considered bad, wrong, or evil within it, mm-hmm. it necessarily has to be pointed to by uh, w- within the structure of that that film, and and it has to be known that the filmmakers or the corporation or those that are sponsoring it feel that this thing is evil, it's wrong, and that the audience should feel that it's evil. And uh, and that's the only way to think about it. F- films or, or entities that go beyond the realm of good <coughs> and evil, get more mm-hmm. conceptual about these things, can possibly make audiences un- uncomfortable. Uh, although there's a great value in that in terms of, uh, of morals and, and thoughts. Yeah. And uh, nuances of of um, thinking, and I think it's a very unfortunate thing at this point in time that the the, the culture at large, which has the um, the film the film medium, uh, which is basically completely sponsored by corporate entities, mm-hmm. absolutely cannot get into this form of communication. And I think it's very limiting and dangerous for, for the culture itself. I think it uh, yeah. it hurts thought, and it, it ultimately stupefies the culture. Actually, my friend so, Steve was uh, talking about, even in the 60s and 70s, it seemed like there were more, um, you know, more movies that were that dealt with like yes and what, was, hap- and, what was happening at the time was was corporately um, uh, corporate entities could point at uh, what was labeled as the hippie counterculture mm-hmm. uh, and it was a very large um, entity that was pointed out in the media labeled by the media and it it was known that this was a gigantic entity that could be sold uh, these more esoteric and kind of thoughtful uh, uh, films. Yeah. Uh, at this point in time, uh, in the United States or all over the world, but I'll just because the United States is, is the culture I come from. Mm-hmm. I, I it is um, there is nothing in the media that is. Uh, pointing out that there are 
people that are still interested in these things. So unfortunately, corporations will not fund anything for for those people, and there are millions of people that are interested in it, and that's why I'm confident in going and touring around with the, fil- with the film the way I, I am, because I know this personally. Yeah. For whatever reason, the the um, the corporations are fearful of, of something that is not <coughs> readily pointed out within the media itself, mm-hmm. meaning that there is not this what was labeled as a countercultural group that's a visible uh, element that they can say this is who we'll sell it to. But the thing of it is, is those people exist. People want interesting things. They want intelligent things. They want things that go beyond these very confined realms that are are, are dictated, unfortunately, uh, in the culture right now. Yeah, do 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 you find that maybe that's more in the um, the bigger cities too are more open to it, or do you think? No, absolutely not. I I tour around. I, right now is the first time I'm touring to 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 the bigger cities. Uh, I'm I'm in San Francisco right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I'll be uh, next city will be Seattle, then uh, Chicago. No, mm-hmm. right then New York, then Chicago, then Los Angeles. But I've been touring. Previously, to this in much uh, in 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 what would be called smaller cities, Milwaukee, uh, Salt Lake City, uh, Tucson, um, uh, Texas, Austin, Texas. Uh, absolutely not. Uh, there is, in fact, I find that in Los Angeles and New York, in particular, because they're more influenced by the corporate entities at hand. Mm-hmm actually have more difficulty with with some of the concepts that are brought forth in the film because this film is reacting to to those me- media head cities yeah. when i go to other other city, small so-called smaller cities in the us i actually find greater acceptance well that's that's interesting Which, to, to, yeah. to hear so the corporations actually have a bigger influence in kind of the Studio cities, you know, exactly. Because I, mean, I, I haven't played yet influence. in Los, I, I haven't played yet in Los Angeles, but I, I'm anticipating. You know, sometimes I, I do get aggressive kind of questions, mm-hmm. but but because I do a question and answer after the film, yeah. I do a slideshow, which is a um, a live dramatic performance uh, of books that I that I read before the the film. Yeah, and uh, then I show the film, and then I have a question and answer afterwards because the film it w- has been made to bring up questions, and I feel uh, that it would be the cowardly thing to just go and throw the film out there without any kind of genuine response. Yeah, I, I, I I'm really out there to have forms so that there are uh, thoughts and ideas that 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 can come up. For the most part, you know. People are, I think, um, are very interested and enjoy having these these types of things come up. Yeah. Sometimes I do have aggression, aggressive questioning, which I don't shy away from. When I have aggressive kind of questioning, I really mm-hmm. will focus on it, and not in a negative fashion. I, I focus on it positively because that is uh, a great part of why the, the film was made, is because there are things that are not bought forth 
in in the uh, the popular media at this point in time that because it can possibly make audiences uncomfortable. Yeah. But I feel like it's quite possible when I come into Los Angeles I will get maybe the most aggressive <coughs> questioning I've had anywhere. I'm not sure about this and right. it's not till December that that will happen, but you I think it's a possibility. The, you think the people there will be just shocked by what you have and well, you it's know, it's not shocked. Well, it's well, not shocked. I'm uh-huh. very I'm very c- careful about that word because Shock is not it really genuinely not interesting to me at all. Okay. And uh, sometimes the the film I've seen people write things up uh, 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 talking about shock value, and it, mm-hmm. there is no value in that. That's not interesting to me. It's and and I I genuinely don't believe that there is such a thing as something that's shocking. Uh, okay. The, so the concept so- of shock itself seems like a non a non thoughtful thing. What's important to me about the film uh-huh. so is that it goes into taboo areas okay. and it asks it asks questions about what is taboo? What or what is taboo in this culture? What does that mean in mm-hmm. this culture when these things are taboo and why is it that these things are taboo? The right. film's name the, the the name of the film is what is it? Mm-hmm. And I, I'm genuine about these questions. I'll admit the film does not necessarily give the answers to that. Okay. But but what's important to me is that the questions are brought up in the first place, and that's what is not happening okay. in in the in the the, the uh, corporately funded media at large right now. Yeah, yeah. So the um, images serve a purpose in the movie, as far as the uh, yeah some of the yes, black face and having you know the naked pig and elephant um, mass. Yeah, and, I, and again, I don't I don't even I never advertise. Uh, when uh, when I when I'm interviewed and people will often ask me to like list off things that are within the film that uh, could be considered taboo or or and I I don't I don't really like doing it because it really is not what the film is about. Okay. Uh, in terms of in it, it starts to make it salacious or it starts to make it. Right. Um, tr- that it's trying to be something that 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 rides on that element, but really, what what the uh, important element is is the is are, are are the questions of what it is, what it means to the culture, what or, what is that meaning within okay. uh, the thought process of the or, culture, or, or the or the person himself too, or something uh, open to interpretation with, with the person. Yes, yes, absolutely. Okay. The, the the film is, is that's another thing that it that it, it it reacts to, and I don't like to give too many. Specific dictatorial interpretations of, <laughs> right. of certain things because I I think that's that's also what's very negative about go, that's going on in in the, the corporately funded films is that there's a limited idea of how somebody's supposed to to think about something and it's dictated by the filmmakers and the studio that they must think the audience must think this one particular way about the subject which. Generally, I find is not that well thought out by the the filmmakers. Yeah, and and uh, and they don't have a possibility of going home and and thinking about something and 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 really contemplating ideas and thoughts and maybe then wanting to come and see it again and think about it in a different way. And yeah, that's, that's what this film is definitely made to do. Um, most films there are like pretty spoon fed to you. I mean, there's a there's a linear path to the movie, and it's like A to B, and everybody's black or white or good or evil, you know, everything's 
kind of you know put out there for you. There's no you know the bad guys got to die at the end. Yeah, in a movie uh, anymore. You know. No yeah, and 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 it's not that I'm against linear I'm, I, I, the, the, uh, storytelling, and in fact, I I would argue very much that what is it is a, a very strongly based on hero's journey story structure. But I do think that interpretations of of what is good and evil, what is right and wrong, how to think about things, it's important that an audience is able to think about these things themselves. And that that yeah. takes some thinking on the part of the of the filmmakers and I feel like there's a great lack of it in the culture right now. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's you know, way to let let people like, you know, uh, come to their own conclusions without you forcing them to absolutely a certain way. But do you think that has something to do with like the politically correct, you know, time we live in where people don't want to offend anybody and they look to somebody well, to tell them what's offensive, what's not offensive to say or do I, or ask I, or I, I step away from politics because I think that this, I, I mean, in terms of like the the political situation in, in the United States, yeah. I, I mean, ultimately, things, things, politics do reflect certain things on some levels, but really, this is actually a more important issue to me than 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 mere politics because I'm, I'm the, 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 the the educational element of um, of filmmaking and the the main form of communication in in the culture is this media it's it has more influence on the culture than 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 political elements uh, uh, that, that are going on in the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and in terms of like a president, you know, a president comes in for four years or, or eight years at the most, and then they are they are they are gone. And whereas filmmaking and the um, the uh, aesthetics that are come through on the filmmaking and the corporate control over filmmaking mm-hmm. lasts much much longer and i i would say this this kind of clamp on the on on the aesthetics that have come forth or rather the lack of aesthetic the um the the, the clamping down on 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 thought process has been lasting a good 25 to 30 years and that's that's far more influential on on generations of people's minds uh, it's just yeah. and 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 i i really think it's a very very bad thing and it's and it really is right causing and will continue to cause problems right. in 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 this culture yeah big time growing up talking more you know sorry more not politically correct as in politics but more you know the word as in appeal people look to like other people like you know uh, to say should i use a word is this word not you know is it, that is definitely that, that definitely that definitely happens and it 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 it, it is it is part of of this element because does that people lead are to caught like, you know, by what what's going on in the media yeah, yeah uh, but does that lead to people having a mindset where they have to look to somebody to, to see what's right or what's wrong or what's offensive to somebody you know instead of making the decision themselves they're kind of like forced to Look to somebody to say, "Is this okay to think this?" Or just yeah, okay it's a funny. Like it's this? a funny thing because because the media is truly educational, and it, and it's it's subtle on one level, but on another level, it's absolutely apparent how how much influence 
the media has on on how people act and speak and think mm-hmm. and uh, uh there's no question about it there's a there's a very different kind of uh a thought process that happens if you look at the history of 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 ratings and censorship in film and what and what the the culture was thinking about and uh at the times these things are ap- absolutely reflective of each other and i would say as opposed to music music i feel follows cultural upheavals yeah um and and if you look back hundreds of years or you can you can see a a, a history of the, the the truth of that film is a, a much newer medium and it's a more complex medium which of course utilizes music mm-hmm. but I feel that film can actually have a far greater influence on the culture itself. Um, certainly, it's influenced by the culture, but I think it's something that can have influence over the culture and does have influence. Right. And that's why I feel like it's vitally important. And I've, I, I've felt guilty when acting in films previously mm-hmm. uh, for basically my entire career and i and and now at this point where i've realized the only way to get uh, films made that i'm truly genuinely passionate about are to fund them myself and to so yourself, i've yeah. stepped into into making films specifically to make money uh, uh, to fund my own films and it doesn't mean i i have a a dark negative uh, feeling about when I'm acting in these films. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have a kind of um, a split idea that I go in wholeheartedly I, as an actor and interpreter of the word and want to help the directors do what they want and give the best performance and, and, and get the most interesting things I, I can get, but also step away and know that's their project and that I can utilize the money to fund fund these films that I'm, I'm genuinely uh, passionate about and feel like they are uh, ultimately helpful, even if they're it's small audiences, right? Um, you, you, because you I are. keep my 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 budgets low and my overhead low. Right. I know I can ultimately just keep keep hopefully keep making the money that I put into them back and, and continue to make more of them. Of course, right now you're in the um, or you 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 filmed uh, the Wizard of Gore. Or you're in the process of that one. That's right. Yeah. Now, how I finished, what? I finished that. I let's see what else. I was in Beowulf, which Robert Zemeckis directed. Uh, who, who it was the first time I'd worked with him since the first Back to the Future movie. Right. I played right. Brendel in it. Angelina Jolie plays my mother. Anthony Hopkins plays my father, and uh, Ray Winstone plays uh, Beowulf. I play Grendel. Wow. And it was uh, it was a great <laughs> great part and actually great working experience. Yeah. It, it's and, not. Uh, is that a remake? I can't remember. Beowulf would be too, or was that maybe? Beowulf a is the uh, oldest uh, existing um, English language uh, uh, a poem. Poem. It's okay. old English. Uh, it's a it's a, a long form poem. Uh, was the a, script challenging that way too? Did, was it written kind of in that uh, uh, unusual format or? The the script uh, is of course based on the original work and uh, m- most. Basically, everybody speaks modern English in it, except for my character. In the original poem, my character, Grendel, doesn't speak, but I do speak in this film. Okay. And uh, it, I speak uh, uh, purely in Old English, which is virtually uh, another language, but oh. you can understand certain aspects of it. 
Yeah, yeah. I imagine that would be really pretty challenging, kind of. You know, definitely. it was enjoyable. I had I, I listened to uh, um, uh, college courses uh, from a company called the Teaching uh, Company, and I coincidentally had uh, listened to a history of the English language college course about a year and a half before, mm-hmm. and the professor. Uh, read old English in the, the with great fidelity of what the the tongue sounded like. They can tell because uh, language was written phonetically at the time. Okay. Uh, and so uh, I I have the sound in my head already. And then I worked with uh, a student of that professor's, uh, who's a professor at a different university, uh, Loyola University. Okay. And uh, we uh, we 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 made all of the. Well, it was written, of course, in modern English, and then looked to get the words that would that would sound more understandable to a modern uh, uh, audience. Um, I had a lot of most of my dialogue is with Angelina Jolie, and her she plays my mother, and her character spoke in a combination of a little had had some old English and a bit more of a modern English. Mm-hmm. All the other characters in the film really speak with a more modern English. Well that that that's that sounds like a fascinating project. It, it was. It was interesting, yeah. Yeah, yeah and to develop it like that. Do you have a favorite um birthday gift that you've that you've had over the years? A birthday gift. Um or, or it could be I'm not really day. I'm not really that big of a celebrator of birthdays. There was uh, something that had been false falsely written about me that I celebrated my birthday twice which was not true for some reason my 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 birthday's written incorrectly on the internet uh, it's written as September 20th I was born April 20th 1964 oh, so wow. somebody wrote on the IMDB which is greatly fal- uh, has a lot of misinformation on it because people can go in and put put false information they'll put, they'll put it up on the site it's gotten a little better about that but there's all kinds of false things that are yeah written. you would think as being the actor that you could tell them hey you know I'm you know I'm Kristen Glover you would think. or whatever I've, I've, I've tried to do it and it's very difficult I've got I have gotten some things corrected but uh, for whatever reason they will not yeah. uh, correct things very very readily damn those people at IMDb I've heard I've heard <laughs> that I've heard that about them before too a few little things do it there and yeah there, there was a there was another uh, lady she she was saying um, she had been in a similar title movie, but they put her as it, her being in this porno movie. And she's like, I never did that. <laughs> right. So she had to contact them. It was pretty bad. Right. Yeah. Right, right. Um, now, uh, you, I, I just had a question about, do you think uh, you know, YouTube and things like that are, have, a, have a, a future in, in making film and stuff? They get out of corporate control in the people's hands more. Yeah, I do. Th- I do think YouTube is an interesting thing. Hopefully, um, Google won't spoil YouTube, but uh, that concept. Yeah, it's. Like, uh, uh, I I would think. I, I do think YouTube is very interesting. I like YouTube a lot, and um, it's particularly good, I think, for advertisement of like what I'm doing with what is it. I. Um, there, there's a lot of stuff if you search around on YouTube that is is uh, involved with uh, uh, me. And, uh, yeah, there's a little of uh, Loka, right, or something? Or well, I I don't like to confirm or deny anything. Uh, okay, but okay. Like, <laughs> but there it could be Crispin Glover. I'm not sure. <laughs> it looked like but, you, but I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, like I say, I don't like okay. to confirm or deny anything. But I I do think that. Uh, 
it's a it is good that that people are able to put things up and and widely broadcast them without this kind of uh jurisdiction yeah. and there are interesting things coming across in that uh i think of course it's a difficult way to make money with it but at least uh, it does give a um an element of of uh, of a voice uh, that is not corporately controlled, and I find that very interesting. And I, w- one of the things that I find the most interesting about it is, um, <laughs> you know, uh, the celebrity um, kind of cult that's created by by the the media yeah. really can be lambasted on 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 things like YouTube because there's nobody. They're putting dollars into something saying, uh, well, you've got to treat this particular celebrity in this way. Yeah. I mean, of course, people will say negative things if, uh, about me as well, but, but I, I don't really mind it. I, I, what I find that's interesting is it really levels the, the playing ground and you see like all kinds of people that are never spoken about negatively in the popular media. Mm-hmm. Because it's all kind of they're all kind of integrated with each other, where you can really see how people are seeing through these kinds of images that are being put forth and uh, the, the falsity of it. And I, I really do find that fascinating. Yeah, it's a cultural repository of everything too. It's yeah, so weird. it seems like people's brains are just going into it. You know yeah, I mean? it's, like it's, a, it's a interesting. It's clip. a great resource. There's no question about it. I'm yeah, glad that has come it grow, on. you know, like the internet did, where people can, you know get information yeah. that's not put through a, a news paper or television yeah. or radio yeah, where they can get you know stuff and exchange information to each other without being filtered through some kind of entity and of course though of course at the same time there's all that that positivity and then there's also the element of things that can be put you know even in film <laughs> of course you can you can make things seem absolutely accurate that are absolutely inaccurate as well so it's, yeah. uh, it's interesting no matter what though I, I do I do find it a fascinating thing. It's kind of like the Wild West, you know, the internet now, I guess. We uh yeah. t- talked to uh, Dean Cameron and he mentioned that you like you wanted to do Willard for a really long time. Um do you think Willard lived up to all of your D- expectations? Dean Cameron said I wanted to do Willard for a long time. Th- that's what he had mentioned. <laughs> well, it's it's not it's not accurate. I, uh, okay. I do know I do know him from years ago. He was in an acting uh, class that I was in years and years ago. Yeah, yeah. He said he he, but, but he enjoyed being your friend at that time. He, he talked. But about that's that. not uh, that's not accurate information. I uh, had never seen Willard, okay. uh, the original film, until after I was. Uh, uh, offered the role and in fact until after I had uh, confirmed and it was known that I would do it then I watched I had read the screenplay that Glenn Morgan wrote mm-hmm. and I liked the character very much and I wanted to watch the original film to um, uh, see what what would be good to know of course somebody else had played the part before and it was a successful film so I wanted to see what uh, if there were things I should utilize or glean or stay away from or, or what have you but the way that the character was was written in the screenplay that I had read was really quite different on many levels psychologically from what had been made in the original film and I like I like the actor that played the role Bruce Davidson I thought he did a good job Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a very different kind of uh, 
uh, uh, part. So I, I didn't really feel like I could utilize uh, uh, things yeah. uh, from that. But yeah. uh, I was not, uh, I was not familiar with it. I knew of the song then. Oh, of course, uh, yeah, the Michael Jackson song, but I did not. I had never ever seen the uh, the original Willard until after I knew you about read it. The so book even you never read the book or no, I never read the book. Oh, okay. no, I mean, I was aware of it. I, I knew there was a movie, but I'd not seen it. So that's that isn't accurate. That it was something that I'd wanted to do for a long time. But when I read the script, I knew that this would be uh, an interesting uh, a part, without a doubt, a great role. Oh, okay, I'm great, glad great. that I I am very glad that I got to play it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's it's a it's a fun movie. It's it's really interesting. Is uh, Arlie Ermey as, as mean and tough as he portrays? No, no, no. He's a, he's a great guy. I really enjoyed working with Arlie Ermey, and 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 in a certain way, his process of working. On some levels, I felt was similar. I, I really liked working with him, and uh, he had he made certain suggestions that were actually quite helpful. And um, the the most difficult thing, the thing that I concentrated on the most while I was playing that role, was the emotional aspect. It was written as a, a sad character and, and quite tearful. And my nature is not really sad or tearful and I really have to concentrate a lot to get to that kind of emotional state yeah you and mentioned you, you had you had, had really real real, real real tears I like that of course yeah yeah, yeah. But, and that and to get to that point for me really takes a lot of concentration it's 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 easier for me to 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 uh, get to kind of an anxious state or an angry state or uh, the uh, other states are usually very easy for me to to get to as an actor, but tearfulness and sadness, it takes a, a lot more for me, and I really had to concentrate on that a lot. And I had a scene with Arlie Ermey in his office where uh, he fires me, which was not written as a tearful scene. Mm-hmm. But he did suggest that, and uh, he had seen me do a, the funeral scene a few days before. His character was originally in the scene, mm-hmm. or f- before where there was a, a lot of uh, genuine tearfulness. And he said, "Really, you should get to that point." And I, I said to him, I, "You know, I, it's not easy for me to do that." Yeah, yeah. When you're suggesting uh, that, but, but he said he really thought it would be good for the scene, and uh, and then smack. I, I was able to get to the point, and I and I uh, I'm glad that he uh, he suggested it. Yeah, or was that the one where you're you're hitting against the door and stuff? Yes, yeah, yeah. He didn't suggest that particular way of doing it, but that was <laughs> that was. Uh, that's what ended up happening. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it must be really. I good like to that be, scene a lot too. Yeah, to be able to kind of get in there and 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 do that. It's it's just an amazing thing. You have to be a really good actor, I imagine, to be able to it, do that. It, 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 for me, it's the most. Uh, it takes the most concentration to get to that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In your role as the thin man in the Charlie's Angels. Why was there a lack of dialogue? Was that something that was written into it, or something you? No, originally, or? originally the character did have dialogue, and um, as I said earlier, uh, they they want. It, it came right around the time when I I was needing to shoot the sequel to to What Is It. They had wanted to. Um, they wanted me to come in for it, and I I did not like the the screenplay when I originally read it, uh, and my character that they were interested in me for did have a lot of dialogue and it was very um, it was very expositional and not not good dialogue and I didn't want to come in on the film 
Mm-hmm. But they were in, they they kept calling my agents and saying well, they wanted to to um, hear my ideas, and so I did go in and I met with them and and they said what what asked me what I thought and I said I thought it would be better if the character was uh, a, a silent character that just was a, a, a quiet uh, fighting antagonistic character and McGee the director who can be very enthusiastic stood up and said. Oh, that's that's great. That's exactly what we want to do, and um, uh, that's how we'll do it. And so I uh, saw they showed me the um, the uh, um, some footage of the uh, the uh, fellows uh, that did the choreography, the the uh, Yun family, yeah. uh, Chinese fighting team, and I re- realized really. I'd known their, some of their work from before and really liked them, and I realized this really could be a very interesting uh, uh, character, uh, this silent character. And strangely, of all of the films that I've made and all of the parts that I've played, I would say, you know, an independent film or so-called independent film, although that's just a smaller corporation, mm-hmm. uh, These I had more influence on that character than I really have on any other character that I've played, the, the way it looked, the elements of the hair fetish. Uh, yeah, the, you, the, you were the, so the good in it. Uh, we we, it was, it we was wish a, you had a, a bigger, you know, like you were had a little <laughs> bit more screen time. We're like, Damn, Well, it was, it was a great part, and I'm, I'm, I'm Because Demi Moore sucks so bad as a, a villain, <laughs> too. But I'm sorry, but go ahead. Well... Well, the the I, I on the second film I had strangely much less control, or control is not the word uh, right word. I had much less influence on the second film yeah. than I did in the first film. Uh, on the second film, uh, I was paid very well, which is a good thing, and it's helped help with with continuing to. Uh, I was paid well in both, but I was especially paid well in the second, yeah. and that was very helpful for continuing with with um, making my my films. Right. Um, uh, so I was I was very glad to do it, uh, but I it, it yeah I, I did not have the kind of uh, I for various reasons it 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 was not the same kind of uh, situation as the first one was. So you're a victim of your own success, kind of you know got too successful, and then so they want to grab control and like you know bottle the first movie. And well, there's there's, it, a, know, there's many complications as to how what, how things worked out. In the on the first film, there was McGee was a first-time director. Yeah, the studio wanted to have a lot of control of things, so they they took a certain amount of control away from him. In a, and yet he definitely had a lot of a lot of uh, control. But Bill Murray also was very heavily involved. He had bought a writer in. Uh, he was very interested in story structure, and he he really did help the structure of the film, him and, and the writer, and they specifically helped the structure of my character. Uh, so he 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 had a lot of influence, and and then of course he wasn't in the sequel. They didn't. Yeah, Lucy uh, Liu the, heard you know had problems with him, and yeah. Well, they're, 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 he he was very. He was very demanding, and yet I must say I, he he helped that film. There's no and not just by his presence as an actor. He helped it in terms of the the story structure and the writing. Oh yeah. Also the 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 Yun the Yun team the the Chinese fighting team, uh, they were utilized a lot more in the first film and in the second film. My character I trained a lot longer in the second film mm-hmm. uh, than I did on the first, but there's not a single frame. 
of footage of any of the uh, the fighting uh, techniques or or oh, training that I had yeah, done in the second film. Thinking? There is in the first yeah, film. That's so weird. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. It, it's not it's not necessarily like I say. It's not necessarily one thing. It could it could be things having to do with McGee. It can be things having to do with the studio. It's it's it is complex. Uh, situation in these um, studio corporately funded films where films ultimately do have a committee element. Sometimes there are, I'm not saying that there are never good films ever made in this situation. There have been great films made yeah, corporately, but, but but it 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 can be many different circumstances. We had kind of a crazy uh, question. Hopefully it won't offend yeah. you too much, but do you cry when you watch the movie Diamonds Are Forever? Uh, I don't. I definitely don't cry at the film. Of course, my father plays um, Mr. Uh, is he Kid or Wint? I'm forgetting. I think he's Mr. Kid or yeah, Wint. No, he's which Mr. Wint. Yeah, it's I think a he's great Mr. Wint. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. He. I, I, uh, when I was eight years old, is when he he made the film, and uh, we went out to London, and I was on the sound stage at uh, at. Uh, 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 what's what's the, the the name of the place where they shoot all the bond films? Pinewood. Um, Pinewood. I was at Pinewood, and it was uh, a, a great memory for yeah, me. Yeah, but like I had. Go ahead. I had I, I had been in up. London working on a film uh, a, f- a few years ago, and the flat or the apartment that I was or the hotel I was in was just a couple of blocks away from where uh, I, I went there with my mother and father. Where we had stayed, and so I—it was an interesting thing because I realized I was actually a little bit older than my father was when when we had shot that film, and I went wow. and looked at the flats that we had stayed in. And wow, kind of a realization, uh, yeah. I know you're the question because you know you, you see your as a child, you might have saw your film and saw your dad explode, you know, and go ah, you know, it might be kind of shocking, just you know, goofy. Just yeah, yeah. No, up. no. I mean, I you know, I was. Uh, I was fairly, I was fairly uh, savvy by that time. I was uh, eight. I knew, I knew how those things work. Although yeah. there was something that happened to me when I was much, much younger. Uh, when I was three years old, I believe I, I was. I, I was born in New York, and my father um, went, was going out to Los Angeles a lot. That's why we ended up moving out to Los Angeles because he was getting more work as an actor there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but there were um, times when he would go away when I was very young out to Los Angeles. My mother and I were in New York, and he was on a show called um, Rat Patrol. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, I watched it. I, rem- I I have the specific memory. I remember this. I can remember a lot of things from when I was quite young because it was Manhattan, and my earliest memories of life are of Manhattan. We moved to LA when I was three and a half, but I remember all kinds of things from before we moved to Los Angeles, and one of them was, my father had gone away to shoot a film, and I was very young, I could have even been two, two and a half, I don't know how old I was exactly, but definitely under three and a half, mm-hmm. uh, probably, probably around three, maybe two and a half, I don't know, but I knew that he was out shooting a film, but I, at that point in time, I, I didn't know what all of that meant. And I saw him on the back of a jeep on television, mm-hmm. and he was shooting a gun, <laughs> and uh, like a like a repeated uh, uh, machine gun. Right. And then he was shot and killed and rolled off the back of the jeep and fell on the ground. 
And I, I did not understand what that meant, and that was a terrifying experience for oh, me. Oh, yeah, for and a And I remember kid. that very specifically, yeah. Yeah. But by the time uh, Diamonds Are Forever came out, I was I was pretty well aware of, of these things. Yeah. Were there other sets that you were on that you, that you remember? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was on the set of Gunsmoke. Um, I was on on the set of uh, he did a lot of films for Disney in the 70s we went out to Arizona yeah uh, there was a thing called uh, Bearcats I always liked looking at the sets themselves the how the sets were structured and uh, I was actually more fascinated by the the sets than watching the actors act Okay, so 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 he does. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I have those memories. I mean, it is it is an interesting thing to reflect on. Oh yeah, big time. Okay, one last question. Uh, who do you have a retro crush on, or a crush on growing up? Did you have a a crush? You know, somebody that you besides maybe your dad. I mean, not crush that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, I never I'm had sorry. a crush on my dad. No, no, no. I hope not. No, I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry about that. But, I mean, just you know, growing up was her. You know, like I like you know uh, I don't know what. I like, you know, Incredible Hulk or Man from Atlantis, and I'm trying to think, uh, Charlie, you know, Charlie's Angels too, the whole Farrah Fawcett thing. I was like, you know, Wonder Woman, I'm my favorite. Wonder Woman, yeah. No, you know, I, it was like, uh, I, growing up, I was not, I was not, I was not like, I was, I was not that. I'm trying to think. Like, I remember seeing people having posters, guys having posters up on the wall of. Cheryl Teagues, or no? Just very, yeah, very. And I never, I was never, uh, you know, it was never like I never liked the idea of having something like that up on the wall. I mean, I was interested in women, but not putting something up on the wall and kind of having a, as you put it, as a, a, a crush. <laughs> yeah. Know? Okay. Yeah. No, but that's understandable. Like, did you, yeah. Is there a certain woman you like? You know, want to marry her? You know, some crazy. Yeah. Your all, oh, or so was there a TV I've show? Never been, I've like never been. I've never been somebody that's a mar- mar- interested in marrying. I, I, I've never been close to being married, and I, I, mean, I uh, yeah. it's not something I. I don't know if I'll ever get married. I, I don't know. I don't is know there something about, about marriage that. that you just don't care for that much? You think, or is this not a good thing? I just don't know. I, I think that that marriage really is a. a Important for having children. Yeah. And uh, at this point in my life, the most important thing to me is making making my films. Yeah. Well, we and, can have children uh, up to a hundred. We're lucky. We don't have the biological. I agree. Yeah. I agree. And and uh, it's Tony Randall, I, you know. it's possible that maybe at a point when I'm feeling that the films that I'm wanting to be making, my own films, that I a hundred percent in the role with that, and I can be financing and not worrying about money. This point in time, and fi- financing these things myself, it's a struggle, and a child for me would be extremely distracting. And I would only want to have a child if I was going to be a, a great parent. I would not yeah. want to compromise something in any way, shape, or form with that. I, I think that's something to take great responsibility with. Oh yeah, and being an actor, you have a busy it, life, you know. Definitely. I would not. It's not not just being. If it if it was just being an actor. It would be. It wouldn't be so bad. But it's it's this. It's the making of films that my own films that I'm needing to fund, and that's that's extremely expensive, and extremely time consuming. And I need to I need to put my full concentration into that. 
So yeah. I'm very careful about that kind of thing, and I would not, I would, I, I wouldn't get married just to get married. I would only get married if there was a consideration that I was going to have a, a, a child. And just at this point in time, I know that would not be a good thing for me to do. So yeah. I'm not that saying I never would. Yeah, I'm not saying I never would have a kid, but yeah. it's not, it's not something I'm thinking about right now. Yeah, does it make it challenging on you know some of your current relationships? Like, oh God, this guy never wants no. to get married. So. No, I go out, I go out with women that don't want to get married. Oh, okay, that's the <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, which you know is, what? Which is fine. Which about is fine with me. I have no troubles with that. Yeah. Yeah. I have one question about you know the, the subject. Your son, the main character, the, the thin man. Uh, I know you're into aren't you into like retro like 30s kind of uh, you know, fashions and look, which is a cool look. I like it myself. You know the slick back hair you had and stuff. That was, that was mostly your idea. You said and your. Out of your well, I did. I yeah, I did definitely have influence on the on the look of the character. Um, uh, in terms of uh, aesthetics, I, I yeah, the, that look is a that look is a good look. Uh, of course, it, it depends on what what the character is, and it's it's somehow made a certain kind of sense for that character yeah, to have this. I thought it was cool that he had the uh, retro gun too. Used an old Luger as a pistol. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. That. Yeah, you and know. Also, they, say it again. Go ahead. Yeah, they did have me pick out a gun. They gave me various things, but it was something that was discussed was that, you know, there was this retro look and that I, I, that is my, I, that is my favorite looking gun is the German Luger. And yeah, so it's, it's, it's pretty, that's one of the most beautiful guns ever made. But also, I, know. I, I was thinking, in fact, in fact, because we were talking, we were talking about my father, my father, you, had that gun in some production. He 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 was firing it, and I don't remember what the production was, but I remember seeing a picture of it. And I thought, wow, that's a neat looking. That was a neat looking gun. Doesn't the silence of his the character also add to like the '30s or '20s silent movie kind of era of silent movie and the silent person who looks? Like I know what you're talking about. It, it, it definitely has that look, and I and I I, I definitely. That was something that I, I thought about. I, I really, we love you to death, and we just, we're such fanboys that we can't shut up. So, we're okay. going to well, let you well, go. well, if, if you, you want so me to give you a call a little bit later, I can do that. If no, you need more. It's stuff. okay. I think we have a lot okay. of stuff here. We're great. Okay, good. Thank you so much. All right, so well, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, no, these are good questions, too. Yeah, no, thank well, you, Well, thank Kristen. you very much. Have a great okay. day. We love you to Oh, and, and if you could, and if you could let people know that www.crispinglover.com lets people know where I am with the film. Oh, yeah, no, we're going to promote uh, because, the head Because I tour you. with it personally, so, so if you can put a link, then people know where I am, because I'm going to be touring for many years with these films. Oh, of course, and, and you know, people, All right. this is the greatest stuff. I mean, there should be a hundred million, not a hundred million, but there should be more people like you that want to do all this is stuff, it, you know. I agree. Well, hopefully, say it again. plans to put this out on DVD anytime soon or anytime in the future? Well, I, I want to tour with the film for many years, and to put it out on DVD would, would spoil that, so I have no plans yeah. on putting it on DVD. People should oh. come see see it in the form that I'm, I'm doing it, because okay. I don't know that I will be putting it out. I, I, I feel that DVDs at this point are are making it impossible for theatrical projection, which is a which is a different thing than watching something on a, a television at home. Yeah. And I agree that most films aren't aren't um, cinematically worth even being uh, seen projected. But the pleasure of seeing a cinematically um, uh, oriented film 
projected on a large screen from a 35 millimeter print is really something that's hard to beat. So yeah, I recommend okay, people come see it that well, way. Well, we better. Well, I, I really appreciate. Okay. I really appreciate okay. it. Well, that was a lot of fun, and, and as Randy said, it sure was great to talk to Crispin there. I'm going to leave you with um, a great cover song that Crispin Glover did of Ben from the movie Willard that was originally covered by Michael Jackson. I think it, the, the, the original film was from 1972, and um, you know we'll have a link to the video as well on the podcast uh, page. Um, we'll have a, a back-to-regular episode very shortly, um, probably just a few days, uh, to whet your appetite there. And um, please call the RetroCush hotline. We have a few backed up uh, voicemails. from. Uh, you can call us at 916-231-9480. And uh, we'd love to get your voicemails and play them on the show. Um, that's a uh, call that goes to Sacramento, California. And so whatever it costs you to call Sacramento, California is all that it will cost uh, to, for you to call the hotline. Uh, of course, visit RetroCrush.com. Uh, you can email me at rberry at retrocrush.com and, of course, visit our MySpace page at myspace.com slash retrocrush. So thanks again for joining the show, and we're going to leave you with Crispin Clover's version of Ben. Got a friend in me. Got a friend in me.